you're in fifth grade or younger, you are an important person, and we want you to come down to the front, please. You're in first grade, so you're important. There's a lot of you today. That's awesome. How are you? There's your big brother. Good. I'm glad you're amazing. Have you guys started getting ready for Christmas? No. No? Not too early. Too early. It's almost Thanksgiving. Okay. Okay. So, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been sad? Me? Yep. Have you ever been happy? Have you ever been mad? Glad? Yeah. Okay. Did you know that Jesus, I think you guys already know that Jesus is God, right? Yep. What else is Jesus? Sometimes we might forget this. Uh, he is important. He is important. He is, that's true. But Jesus is all the way human as well. And it's really hard to understand. I'm not sure I really get it myself. But at the same time, he is 100% God and 100% human at the same time. Yes, Esther. He is God's son. That is true. Yes, Tessa. Cool. Well, so when we, when we understand that God, that Jesus, is 100% human, that means that he also had emotions just like you guys. That he got angry. He was happy. And so whenever, whenever we're feeling something, Jesus has felt it too. And we can talk to him about it. So let me read you this, um, this verse, these verses out of Hebrews. It says, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. That means Jesus isn't, the type of person who can't understand, right? He, he isn't that way with our weaknesses. But in every respect, in every way, he has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence, that means that we can approach God boldly, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to, to help in the time of need. And so what I want you guys to know today is that, one, Jesus loves you so much. And two, that Jesus has felt everything that you've ever felt. So you can talk to him and be honest with him about how you feel no matter what's going on in your life. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, let me pray with you guys and turn you loose so you guys can go have fun. Does that sound like, does that sound good? Okay, good. All right, pray with me, guys. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to just be in your church, 
to listen to your word. And I just pray for these kids that you would pour your grace out on their hearts so that they can know you just in the deepest way possible. Help them to learn that you are always there with them, always hearing them, and that they can pour their hearts out to you no matter the circumstances. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have fun. Okay. How is it that we have the cutest kids? Yeah. Yeah, they don't look like you. No, right? Get the cutest kids. All right. Will y'all pray with me as we move into the word of God? Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Um, You are completely faithful, um, even as we are faithless. Lord, we just pray that you would get all the distractions out of the way, that you would um, move towards us with your word that heals us and binds us up. Lord, we lift up your church um, just here at Hope and here in the state of Texas, but all across the world. We just ask that you would be active and moving in your people, um, no matter where they are in the world today. We pray that your church would um, make you famous, that we would no matter where we are, that we would take your love and your grace out into the world with us this week. Lord, we lift up our country. We live in difficult times, Lord, but we know that no circumstance is beyond you. And we just pray for unity. We pray for wisdom and discernment for all of um, our leaders, no matter where they are in, in our government. Lord, help us to pray consistently for those leaders, whether we agree with them or not, and um, help us to, to be just the model citizens that you want us to be. Lord, we lift up our military. Um, what a dangerous time to be on the front lines. And Lord, we just lift them up and our first responders as we just ask that you would bring them home safe especially those that are in harm's way. And Lord, we, we pray for their families. We pray that you would give them peace as they rely on you and trust in you to, to provide for them as they wait for their loved ones. Lord, we are a broken and fallen people in a broken and fallen world, and we just pray that, um, that we would rely on you alone and that we would trust in you alone. Help us to understand your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we have been working in a series that we have called Ditched. It seemed appropriate after a year and a half of kind of feeling ditched by the world and the pandemic and all of that kind of stuff to look at different people in the Bible who may have felt that way. When I hear that word, I think about eight-year-old me chasing after 
my 11-year-old older brother and his friends desperately wanting to play with the big kids and never being quick enough to catch them. And even if I did catch them, they'd go, okay, let's play hide and seek. (laughs) You go hide. And then, you know, hours later when I hadn't been found because my hiding place was so awesome, it would dawn on me that maybe they weren't looking for me, you know? So, ditched. Everybody has felt that way at some point, at some level. Today we are going to go to Jesus. And we're going to lean in to his fully human side. And this is a concept that I don't know that we can fully wrap our minds around But Jesus is 100% God, 100% human. There's no confusion. But because he is 100% human, he can identify with us in all ways. And so that's why we're starting with the background of Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. This is so awesome that Jesus understands. A high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so we're going to look at Jesus in his most trying moment when he is nailed to the cross. So we're jumping to Matthew 27 and we'll pick up the story in verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Scarlet is the color of royalty. They put a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed like a scepter in his right hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him to crucify him, led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simeon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but he tasted it. He would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read this Jesus the king of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads 
and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, this is about noon, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. So about three o'clock in the afternoon. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. So we see this picture of Jesus on the cross in this most trying hour. And he calls to mind Psalm 22 by quoting it. And we're going to lean into Psalm 22 and look at the emotions that Jesus was calling into play that the, that the psalmist had already written down. So Psalm 22 starts with the exact quote, right? Jesus didn't need to quote the whole psalm to get that playing in the mind of his witnesses, of the people that, that saw it all go down. All he had to do was quote the first verse. Just like for us, if there's a popular song, I can say, you know, mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be right? And you already hear Willie Nelson. You got the whole song, right? This is the same effect. So Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him 
for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a raving, a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him, all the offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall worship you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous prosperous of the earth eat and worship before him shall bow all who go down to the dust even the one who could not keep himself alive posterity shall serve him it shall be told of the lord to the coming generation they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it So what do we see here? What is Jesus experiencing? How can we watch him and try to answer the question, if we're in a similar situation, what does worship look like? When we feel ditched, when we feel forsaken, when we feel abandoned, What does worship look like? How does God move towards us? What does he want us to do? So first, just simply cry out 
to God. I, I don't know about your parents, but I was raised by a father who did not show emotion. I was 16 when my grandfather died. At that funeral was the first time I ever, first and only time I ever saw a tear on his cheek. He was stoic and he just did not express emotion or process emotion. So that's what I was modeled, right? I never saw him cry out to God. Let's not model that to our kids, right? Let's model crying out to God and let's be honest about how you feel, right? We don't need to sugarcoat our feelings for God. He already knows how you feel. He understands how you feel probably better than you do especially those of you who need time to process your emotions, right? There are probably several of y'all that in the moment, you don't even know how you feel. This is a common personality trait. You're in an argument with someone, you don't even know what you feel. You need time to back up and process and then re-engage because now you know how you feel in that moment. God knows this better than you do about yourself. But when we do discover how we feel, we need to be honest with God about it. Don't sugarcoat it. Just tell him how you feel because God can handle it, right? There is no emotion that you have that God can't handle. When you are angry with God, or blown away by God. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Express that to him. He can handle it. In those moments, and I I think some of y'all are going to be better at this than others, especially if you were taught well, that we need to take the time to explore how you actually feel I had a friend named Ed when I was in seminary and he saw that I just simply was denying all of my emotions. And so he did me a favor. I didn't know that he was doing it. He never told me this. It's only in retrospect that I see it, but he helped me put training wheels on my emotions. He had been through AA and he was like, Let's just start with mad, sad, and glad. Can you admit to one of those emotions at this time? And he just put the training wheels on, and it was one of those first baby steps for me. So we need to explore how we're feeling so that we can be honest with God and with the other people in our lives about how we actually feel. So when I read through Psalm 22, excuse me, I went back through and I looked at what the psalmist is expressing and what it seems like Jesus is 
calling into that moment how he would have felt. And then I just tried to take those emotions out of the psalm and rewrite them in my own words. And it seemed like the psalmist was saying that he felt left for good, far from God, exhausted, less than human, hated, derided, unsupported, at the edge of life, depleted, painfully unable to hold himself up, slowly dripping away, spent, dried up, lifeless. Right? If the psalmist took the time to unpack all of those emotions, we should take that model. It is a healthy thing for us to take the time to explore how we actually feel. And for those of you who are more kind of maybe in the intellectual side, let me help you by reminding you that God is an emotional being. God himself gave you those emotions. So he wants you, he's giving you permission to express them. Scripture is full of examples of God's anger. And I hope that even in your own life, you have experienced God's joy in those quiet moments when it's just you and God and you can feel his pleasure. My mind runs back to the movie Chariots of Fire. I don't know if y'all saw that, but it's about a runner in England. And his family is missionaries and they're calling him to the mission field. And he said, not yet. I feel God's pleasure when I'm running. I believe he went on to run in the Olympics for England. But hopefully you have felt God's pleasure. God is an emotional being. It's okay to express your emotions to him. And because he gave you those emotions, he gave you that capacity for emotions. Now, some of you have a larger capacity for emotions. The men in the room probably experience one emotion at a time. One at a time, that's all we've got. There's an hunger, got it. Um, There's an amazing scene in a Harry Potter movie where Hermione is explaining to Ron and to Harry how this girl in the movie must be feeling. And she is just throwing all this stuff at them. And Ron looks at her perplexed and says, there is no way one person could be feeling all of that at one time. And Hermione's response is, just because you have the emotional depth of a teaspoon doesn't mean that other people, but it's a great play between a boy going, whoa, that's way too much all at once, and trying to understand that maybe a girl has a bigger capacity for emotions. But God is an emotional being. You should not be ashamed of your emotions because God is your creator and he gave you those emotions. But that doesn't mean that we can't work our emotions out in sinful ways, right? But the emotions themselves, they're from God. He wants you to express them. 
And then remember, God hears you. Even the psalmist says that he's getting no rest, but he circles back in verse 24 and talks about how God hears him. God is always present with you. He can always hear you. So he is your loving father who hears you. He wants to hear from you, no matter what the emotion is. The second thing that we can do, yes, you should cry out to God. And, and if you've got a friend that's in this stage, don't rush that for them. Think of Job and his friends and how they just come and they sit in the ashes. If your friend is feeling or your spouse, any loved one, right? Don't rush them out of that stage where they're crying out to God. But when they're ready, when you are ready, it's time to seek an eternal perspective. Oftentimes in the midst of this, this can feel like what Tom calls defiant faith. And you see it here in the psalm. Even though he feels forsaken, abandoned, he talks about how his fathers had trusted in God. Because of all of those things that he had done in the past. Right? So we're, we need to seek that eternal perspective. We can't just wallow in these emotions forever. God knew this season was coming into your life. God is sovereign. He knew it. God has been preparing you for this season that he knew was coming. God has given and is giving you the strength to persevere through this season of your life. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's the opposite of that. But God will give you the strength to get through it. But remember that God's strength is often most on display in our weakness. Sometimes he has to get us to those places so that we can rely on him. And as you are seeking this eternal perspective, eventually when you're ready, and this is really important that you don't rush someone else, guilty, right? Guilty, this guy, rushing people to this next step, that you've got to take and analyze your feelings by the truth, Right? You can feel something that's legit. doesn't make it true. Thank God for that. Because my emotions, when I'm being honest, are like a roller coaster. That doesn't make it true just because I feel that way. The psalmist feels forsaken. Jesus felt forsaken. God never left him. He just felt that way. And we can do this because we can trust in the character of God, right? We want to cry out to God. We want to seek an eternal perspective. But we can do this because we can trust in the character of God. 
He has been faithful in the past. He is being faithful today. And he will be perfectly faithful in the future. May not feel that way in the moment, but it is true. It is true. And we know this because of his past faithfulness. We can see it in scripture. We can see it in our own lives. You can think back to times when God was there for you, even though you couldn't see it in the moment. And I've said it before, it is so much easier to see this about God when it's in the rearview mirror. When we've gotten some time and some space and some distance, it's so much easier to see the hand of God in our lives. But we can trust in the character of God because of his past faithfulness. And I promise you that God will remind you of who he is and what he has done. The Holy Spirit working in your lives will call to remembrance the faithfulness of God the Father. And you will know that it's true because it lines up with Scripture because we take it to the truth. And when we're moving through a season like this, we want to remember the final result of this sacrifice that Jesus did for us on the cross. Let's go back to Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one, where it says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So let me explain what this means. Since the time of Moses instructing the Israelites to build the tabernacle, this mobile tent for the worship of God, there were outer courts and there was an inner tent. And inside of this tent, in the very back, there was this immensely thick curtain that hung between the front part and what we would call the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was where the Ark of the Covenant sat. And it's where God in his, the Bible calls the Shekinah glory, where his presence came and rested. And no one went in to the Holy of Holies except for the high priest once a year. And he would go in there to offer a sacrifice and atonement for all of Israel's sins. But this was such a fearful thing that they would tie a rope around his ankle because if he went into the presence of God and he had not gotten right through confession and sacrifice himself, he would drop dead. And they couldn't go in after him because they would die as well. So they had this rope so that if he died in this process, they could grab the rope and pull him out without dying themselves. So that's where this curtain is. But in this moment when Jesus is 
giving up his spirit and he's on the cross, that curtain is cut from top to bottom so that this separation, this need for a priest to go to God on your behalf is done for. You have direct access to the throne room of God everywhere at all times. This is what Jesus accomplished for you and I by dying on the cross. He paid for all of our sins, past, present, and future to the point where we, without fear, we can, with confidence, it says in Hebrews, draw near to the throne of grace. And one of those things that we should take with confidence to the throne of grace are our emotions and those feelings that you have. Because just like Jesus drew you close by dying on the cross for your sins, you, you have the benefit of having this loving, open relationship with your loving Father in heaven who wants you to approach him with boldness and confidence and climb up on his knee and cry or to celebrate. Doesn't matter what you're taking to God, he wants to be a part of it. So when we're feeling ditched, we want to cry out to God. We want to seek an eternal perspective. And we can do this because we can trust in God's character. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this is easy to say. It is so much harder to live out. And Lord, I pray that all of us would feel the freedom to climb up in your lap and express to you exactly what we're feeling to the full depths of what we're feeling, that we can take our emotions and our circumstances and our pain to you unashamedly. We know that you know already, but you love it when we take it to you. God, you are our healer. You can heal our hearts. You can heal our bodies. Let us take ourselves to you and just rest in your grace and in your love. Help us this week as we deal with life in this broken and fallen world. Help us to model those, model this to those around us whether that's in our families or at work or in public. Let us be careful about how we do it, but let's show people your love by being bold to take our lives before you and ask for your help. And let us trust in you and your character as we do that. Thank you for sending your son on the cross. Thank you for teaching us about it. Thank you for giving us direct access to your throne room. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen.